Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Aaron Jones, the guitarist and frontman of the rock band Aaron Jones and the Way. Hailing from Seattle, Washington, the band's latest releases are the singles Boy from the Puget Sound and as of February, Lay Your Body Down. They also have a full-length album from 2013 called Dream. Hear Aaron chat about what it was like growing up in Seattle during the grunge movement and how it affected his musical development. He also chats about what it was like working with Sir Mix-a-Lot and having him produce the album Dream. Finally, with some notes on Aaron's love of playing live and some hopes for his next tour, here's presenting Matt Storm and Aaron Jones. Welcome to another episode of Crash Cards Autographs. My guest this week is Aaron Jones. Aaron, thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So I actually first heard you on another podcast. Um, they were going over your work's and um, your your album Dream, and I was like, oh wow, this music's great. And so I reached out to Mackenzie, who connected us. I appreciate it. Um, awesome. So the first thing I want to ask, because the music that you're playing, especially on the newest single that you guys put out uh, with your band The Way, is it's just such a brand of rock and roll that I'm just not really hearing anymore. Is there something that really influences and drives you to make this kind of just raw, really awesome rock and roll? Is it something that you kind of grew up always listening to and it's just you've always wanted to play? Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it wasn't something I I, I, just, I could say. It's interesting. I guess I wouldn't say that I always listen to it, but you in Seattle, this kind of music is kind of unconscious, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you, you have that sound around you all the time, and that kind of sets the standard for rock and roll. Um, and then, you know, you had a, a, this big indie era that kind of spawned off from, from not only, you know, the Seattle rock movement in, in 19, you know, the 1990s, but, um, also like this indie rock thing came out too. So, um, you know, I, I think that my music really is kind of just some, sits somewhere in between, you know? Yeah. And it's because like, you know, I, I, I grew up in the church listening to gospel and soul and, you know, I was in James Brown and Ray Charles growing up, but. You know, I also am, I'm a Seattle boy. I, I grew up around Seattle music, you know. And so how long have you been writing and playing music? Is it, have you been doing it since you were really young? Yeah, like pretty, pretty much my whole life. Like I've always had an interest in writing music and playing it, yeah. Um, um, out, you know, being in the church and then went over to, you know, started playing violin and then I picked up a guitar when I was 13 and went with it. And so guitar is one of those things that you've kind of always just wanted to play? No, not really. Um, you know, it, it didn't start out that way. I, I mean, I, I didn't really start taking an interest to in guitar until I was about 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really, like, got interested in it. But even then, it was it, I didn't realize how into it I was until I was probably in my early early teens, early teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. And um, when did you uh, put your first band together? Were you in any bands, like, in high school or college? Yeah. Um, I, was in, I was in a couple uh, little, little bands here and there uh, in, when I was in high school. Um, and then my, my first real band got put together in, in about 2000 and I want to say seven or eight. Uh, and I, I started playing bars and gloves in Seattle probably around that time. 
and then uh, kind of work my way up from there. You know, so my band is actually a really grassroots band. We started out in the club scene or the bar scene and worked our way up to playing, you know, major music venues. Awesome. And so I want to talk a little bit about the, the 2013 album, Dream. Um, when writing that album, did you find that the songs kind of just came naturally or did you find that it was actually, it took a lot out of you to write each track? Did it, did it vary from track to track? Um, yeah, I think for me, it like, it just took, um, it, it, I mean, it, I guess it was a natural process, uh, but in the same way it wasn't, like, it, it, it's, it was very much, um, that's what I'm looking for here, it, it was definitely um, challenging, because at the time I, I hadn't really uh, put out a major album or anything yet, you know, I hadn't put mm-hmm. out album up to that point, and you know, the first person I, I ended up working most hardest on their first album work with some producer they hire from a studio. And my first album I was working with Sir Mix-a-Lot and um, mm-hmm. who had experience selling records. And at the time I was still really raw and didn't really understand the finer points of, of a song, writing an album or, you know, making songs for an album. And so it definitely was a challenge for me. It wasn't, it wasn't the easiest process, but once I got used to it, once I understood what it t- took to write actual records, like it got easier, you know. And when writing, do you come up with the lyrics or a theme first and then the music, or is it the other way around? You know, I'm, I'm starting to realize that myself and a lot of other artists, we just have a bunch of ideas that float around, and then when it comes down, time to put something down, and we, we put those ideas together and see what works where and, and, and then flow with those kind of like those those ideas, you know, let whatever gravitates towards those those thoughts and ideas, little rips and things we put together and see what happens. So I'm definitely a person that takes, you know, little – keeps writing down ideas and, and remembering ideas and recording little ideas. And then when it comes time to really put a song together, I, I just grab a bunch of different ideas and, and make some music. Um, and have you had any ideas that you've kind of come up with or that have kind of popped into your head that you find no matter how hard you try, you can't make into a song? Have you had any ideas that kind of hit a dead stop that you have to either go back to later or that you have to shelf for a while? Uh, definitely. That's most of the stuff I write is like that. And I think that anybody who's writing a major album or writing any kind of music will tell you the same thing. It's like you, you have a bunch of ideas you work with and, and sometimes they work and, but most times they don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I find that a lot of the artists I've spoken to, you know, have a backlog of stuff that they just, they try and make into things. And sometimes they'll go back to it later because they weren't looking at it a certain way. So it's interesting to to hear how, uh, artists go through their writing process. As someone who I personally don't write music, it's it's always fascinating to me because it feels like every artist just has a slightly different approach to writing music. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your single that came out in 2015, Boys from the Pundit Sound. Um, is that going to be on a record? Or do you have a record coming out this year that you're working on? Yeah, I have a, I have a record coming out this year uh, later on. Just to correct you, Rebecca, that's uh, Boys from the Puget Sound, which is a, a oh Puget Sound, yes. Yeah. yeah, no worries. That's a lesser-known body of water that uh, the northwest kind of Seattle area surrounds, or surrounds the Seattle area. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, that's that's going to hopefully be on this next album I'm, I'm working on. Um, it's called Audio Paint Job, and um, yeah, I'm hoping to really. Um, you know, make some noise with it. I mean, make make a splash. I'm working with a lot of really great people. Um, I, I'm coming to my own as a as a seasoned musician, and I think I'm just ready. Uh, do you have you know, Do you have a release date for that record? Uh, nothing nothing official yet, but uh, the okay. season we're looking at is fall right now, so we're we're kind of honing in on on an official date, but we haven't really set anything in stone. 
Great. Um, and so uh, leading up to the to record release, do you have any plans to do any touring um, yeah. uh, and go out on the road? Definitely, yeah. We'll, we'll be out on the road. We've got a few runs coming up this March, um, and then we'll, we'll have to just kind of see what, what the, the future holds after that. Um, not quite sure how the summer's shaping up just yet. Um, you know, we got a lot of booking agents and stuff working on some things, so uh, we just haven't quite announced what we're doing this summer yet. But we do got some runs coming up. Um, you know, headed out to I think some areas in Colorado, and I think we're um, headed out to Wisconsin this summer. So we, we got some stuff working. That's great. Do you? And I imagine you really like getting on the road and playing in front of people. I imagine that's what you know what it's really all about is getting in front of a crowd. Oh yeah, it, it is. It's the best. It's the best. It, there's no better feeling. Um, do you hang out on the road? Do you have a favorite song that you play live from from your album? I know that artists I've spoken to, there are certain songs that kind of get them riled up as much as the crowd does. Do you have a particular song that does that for you of of what you've released so far? I, I think "Feeding from the Devil's Hands" does that for me. Yeah. Uh, every time we play that song live, it's usually at the end of our set, and it's just like it, it's a song that c- constantly reminds us that we're getting better, you know, and because and, um, it definitely pushes pushes the, the limits in terms of like our sound, and, and it, it kind of brings all of it together at once, and, and it allows for this kind of almost monumentous uh, uh, crescendo, you know. Sure. Totally. Um, <laughs> Now you you sing and you play guitar for for your band and um, it sounds like you've been doing that for a long time. Has there ever been any other kind of music or or instrument you've been interesting in dabbling in besides just doing what you're actually doing right now? Is there other instrument, instruments that have ever interested you to try and dabble in or move on to? Uh, you know, I I think guitar is my obsession. Honestly, I don't I don't really think that I've ever really taken any as much interest in any other instrument as um, you know the guitar. Uh, yeah, I, t- I taught myself how to play piano, and I taught myself how to play you know, or, or I taught myself how to play piano, and I, and I learned how to play violin in school. Um, but the guitar was overall like my greatest obsession, easily. Um, would you say that the the pian- learning teaching yourself piano is kind of out of necessity for writing songs? I know a lot of artists use the piano to to help with songwriting. Or is um, it just something it, you explored? It's it's uh, I wouldn't call it necessarily a necessity, but it's definitely one of the easiest tools to use in writing um, because you you can kind of produce the a, a similar idea of the sound you want on the album. When you write an album, it's like almost like writing a symphony. You know, you write a bunch of pieces at one time. Uh, and so, yeah, like it's, 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 uh, I'd say it's, it's probably the most useful tool, but it's not necessary. You know, it's not to, a complete necessity. Like you can probably do the same thing with the guitar if you know how to. Um, so you mentioned earlier about the music scene in Seattle and how that kind of affected your development. Um, do you, f- I know that, I mean, I, I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, grunge was the scene that I always heard about was, but never experienced in person. Um, do you feel like that kind of environment and sound is still there in Seattle? Do you think it's evolved? Do you like the way the kind of the scene has evolved over the years? Uh, definitely, it's, it's it's definitely alive, and I and, I, and um, you know, it, it it definitely has evolved. I mean, like there, the Seattle sound is is ever changing, um, and uh, and the main reason is because you know there's no such thing as the Seattle sound per se. You know, it's, right? Sure, it's really. It's really just a, a different form of rock and roll. It's alternative music, you know. And um, when they came out with this idea of creating something called grunge music, um, it was really just because no one else had heard anything like it before, and they didn't know what else to call it, you know. Sure. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, so it, it never went anywhere. I mean, it's changed. You had bands like Modest Mouse, and then you, you have bands like Death Cat for Cutie, and then, you know, Kings of Leon, and, and you know, all, there's a lot of Seattle-based bands that come out with completely different sounds. So it's like, it's almost like blues music, you know what I mean? In a way, it's like blues sure. is so many different things at one time, but it's, it, no matter how you cut it, it's still blues. I think um, this idea of the Seattle sound is just a certain kind of, of energy that comes from the music, you know? Sure. Um, I imagine that the the live music scene in Seattle has got to be pretty uh, pretty big. I know that um, a lot of a lot of people go out there to play. Um, do you have any particular favorite spots you like playing with your band in the Seattle area? Uh, you know, the Tractor Tavern is one I love. Yeah. Um, we've played. Um, you know, we've we played. Uh, More Theater was, was a big one for us. Let's see what else. Uh, I, I love Numos. I mean, there's a lot of different bands in Seattle. I just kind of have a different nostalgia for, you know. Um, have you? I'm from the East Coast. Have you played out in New York at all with your band? Uh, no, I haven't. Not with my band. I've been out to New York. Uh, I've worked with uh, Janelle Monet, uh Oh, awesome. Crew, um, back in 2000 and I want to say 11 or so. And we, uh, we did a... Um, um, it was like a, uh, it was an East Coast tour. We hit upstate New York and, you know, again, we, we def- I've been out that way, but never with my group now. And we're hoping to get out there pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. I imagine it's, it sounds like that you're, you're kind of gearing up depending on how the rest of this year goes to do a much bigger tour and cover a larger a swath of the country. Is there, is there a specific city or, or state that you're really looking forward to getting out to and visiting? Uh, I think New York is probably the the one that I, I'm looking forward to, to to visiting the most. Honestly, uh, it's just it's been calling me for a while. And I, I sure. feel voiced and ready to kind of show what I have, you know. Yeah, totally. Uh, I wanted to go back a bit. So you mentioned working with Sir Mix a lot earlier, and I've seen some interviews online and things you've done with him. How did that connection happen? I mean, you know, I grew up listening to his stuff, and you know, I've always been a fan. I'm curious how that connection happened. Uh, we were in this this uh, battle of the bands. It was kind of a you know getting it was a national battle of the bands put on by the Hard Rock Cafe or international battle of the bands I should say put on by the Hard Rock Cafe. And uh, in, in that time, we you know we're tr- we're getting a lot of attention, um, you know both from uh, the media and and starting to get a lot of attention from just people on the scene. That was the first time we really hit it hard like that, and we ended up winning in uh, in in our region. And, you know, to get to the next stage of the competition, we had to go in and uh, get votes, you know. So we were doing a bunch of shows in that time period, and word got out and spread so hard and fast. It, it, he'd heard about us in, like, something like two times in an hour. Uh, so he decided he was going to come out and check us out of the bar. Uh, love what he heard and decided he wanted to produce the album. That's awesome. Uh, and that, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure you're familiar with his stuff already, so that must have been like a dream. Uh, you know, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even know what to call it. I mean, you could call it a dream, <laughs> but it was it was just it was more surreal than a dream, though. You know what I mean? Sure. Because you don't. Yeah, totally. You don't you don't, you don't ever think to yourself, "So, Mixlot's going to produce my first rock album. I want that to happen." <laughs> you know. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, I know he had worked with some other rock acts before. President of the United States of America was a big one that I know that he had worked with a bunch. And so I, I always knew he had an ear for rock. But, you know, I started seeing his name a lot with yours during that time, and I thought that was pretty cool, you know. And, yeah, yeah. It, it it definitely changed everything for me. And, and, like, I couldn't have asked for a better person to uh, help introduce me to the, the, the 
this level of music, you know, and after that, everything really changed. Um, so next I wanted to shift gears a little bit. I like to talk with artists about kind of what they do in their downtime beyond obviously working on music and writing music, touring. Do you have a, a favorite passion or pastime that you, you pursue besides music? Uh, so I, I like, I like chess and I, I like, um, I play a lot of chess and I, and I'm also like, I also love to play ultimate frisbee, uh, which oh, I wow. can't play as, as much anymore because it's, it's a, a hazard to my job, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, but um yeah, I, I'm a I played serious ultimate for a number of years. It's always been a passion of mine to play frisbee. Um so I try to get at it when I can. And and chess is something that you've I imagine got into when you were younger? Yeah, both frisbee and chess were things I got into when I was younger. I, I think frisbee is a little more serious for me. Um I ended up playing in you know, in the for Team USA in two world championships in two thousand eight and two thousand and uh Four and um and very cool. uh, I won a national championship in oh seven and so that that sport for me was was bar none like the the that is my my other passion so I but I love chess so I got involved in chess when I was younger and played a a, a ton of chess I still play a ton of chess it, it kind of just keeps my mind active and going and 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 helping me stay creative. Yeah, ch- chess is one of those things that ever since I was little, like as a strategy game, it's. For me, the ultimate. As, as many different kinds of board games they release, things that I've played and done, like chess to me will always be the ultimate strategy game to play because you always have to be thinking two or three moves ahead. And it's always, you always get such a sense of the person you're playing against when yeah. when you're playing chess. Like it's very easy to understand a person through a chess game and know, you know, especially if you're paying attention. I always thought that was very fascinating. Oh, I thought that was always cool too, man. I I really appreciate getting to know someone when you play. Like, no, seeing someone on the outside in is is uh, is one thing, but getting playing them and getting inside their mind for a second is another thing, you know. Yeah, and it's also one of those things I find like with other board games, you can always have kind of it be very lighthearted and easygoing. But if you enjoy chess, it's never lighthearted and easygoing. There's always this oh, no. level of focus and and concentration. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's always pretty intense. It's really, it's mighty well, it's really intense too. Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, with the new album that that you're planning on putting out later this year, do you have? Because I I know that it's been kind of popular these days to put out these concept albums or these kind of strong thematic albums that are always driven to a certain direction. Do you have a particular theme or kind of focus for the the new album that's coming out, or are you just kind of taking it as it goes, as you create the music? Is there like a goal, whether it's supposed to be really personal or about an event or anything, do you have any kind of focus like that for the new record? Well, this album, I, I, I've uh, decided to dub it Ego versus Consciousness, and um, yeah, I've done a lot of uh, spiritual growth in, in order to be good at what I do. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely... Um, brought me into a different level of understanding in a lot of ways and a lot of things, you know. Um, and um, it basically, you know, it it, it it led me into understanding um, things like uh, uh, like the seven hermetic principles and how they pertain to, like, the, the laws of the universe and, um, you know, and how those things apply to my life and, and how to further, ultimately how to further um, understand or have understanding for, uh, those different aspects of my life. It sounds and, like and other sides, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like spirituality plays an important part in your music and your life. Is that something that's kind of always been built from when you were younger? Uh, I I wouldn't say necessarily. I mean, I, I grew up in a Christian church, you know, so like it was. 
uh, which I didn't really resonate with ever. Um, you know, I, I really appreciated a lot of what they had to say, but you know, when it, when it came time to really, um, you know, figure out what it is I, I wanted to to do and and believe in, you know, it just like I, I had a hard time um, coming to grips with this idea of you know someone uh, ruling my life, you know, or something sure. out there have, having more control over me. So it didn't really resonate. So, um, but I'm really into quantum physics. And I'm really into science, and, and once I started really digging in, into those things um, and saw how those things line up with a lot of things that are spoken about uh, and ancient speakings and ancient writings and teachings, um, that really uh, helped scope, like, my belief system and, and helped scope how I was how I was to proceed with myself pretty much for the rest of my life. It's very interesting. And, and I think that, that, you know, I mean, that definitely comes through in, in your, in the music of yours that I've heard already. And so I'm very interested to see how that, that wraps into this, this new album that you're working on that's, that's coming out later this year. I think that, um, I think it's always fascinating to try and get behind what, what an artist is trying to put into an album. I mean, ultimately, the more personal a record is by an artist, for me at least as a music listener, the more invested I get. It's almost like yeah. you're getting to know the artist as you listen to the album, and I'm always I'm always super engaged by stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Would it's, you... it's, um, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be um, I think a really emotional album. Uh, it's gonna have a lot a lot of things, and it's gonna be really raw. I'm gonna speak very very uh, um, honestly about a lot of things I think I've, I've dealt with uh, in, the, in throughout the years of my life, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely just telling my story and, and just kind of being the real version of me that I, I, I see, you know. Do you find that cathartic to, to put that down on paper and release it as music? No, not at all. Not at all. It's, it, it's, it's, um, um, I don't know. I, I guess the, the word that I would, I would more use is, is, uh, it's therapeutic, I guess. Not even, not even therapeutic. It's, it's a release. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. I feel like, it's like music should always do something for you in that way. Exactly, and and it's it's but it's it's a relief as well. It's like you know I'm I'm finally coming to grips and being okay with who I am and my story and how I came to be instead of being embarrassed or you know hiding the things in my life that um you know that that have affected me and away things that the ways that I've been and how they were sculpted sculpted uh you know the way I proceed through life and my relationships and all those things you know I think um, it's finally time for me to just come into my own and be, be exactly who I am and tell my story from there. Cause I, even though my, my story is one of, of some, some, sometimes great hardship and, or heartache or heartbreak, I'm still here. Like I'm playing music for a living and, and I'm rising, you know, my, my career started to take off and, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of people out there who need to hear stories like that and need to see someone stand out like that and inspire greatness, you know? Yeah, for sure. I feel like, I feel like in modern music, there's there's a lot of kind of candy coated and 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 very plasticky almost kind of pop or mainstream music, and so I feel like the more um, inspired and personal music that can get out of the world, the better, because there, there's definitely a shortage of that. I think okay. uh, anywhere. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, the tide is turning though. I mean, if you if you look at um, the, the the current scope of music right now, that's we're coming back into that era of, uh, of of real rock and roll, and I think artists like Gary Clark Jr. is leading the way, and you know you got bands in the UK like Royal Blood who are coming back and bringing some really raw rock and roll, man. So I mean, we're getting back there. I mean, I, I think that that time of uh, the candy coated kind of sugar pop era is kind of 
it's kind of it's kind of drifting away. And what you're hearing now is the the more hip hop and and uh, uh, like electronic and hip hop have kind of fused together. And what you're going to see, I think, from that point is um is a uh, that more rock and hip hop urban soul are going to start to fuse together, and you'll see more bands come forward like that. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting the kind of fusions that you're hearing now too. It's not people just playing music that's inspired by previous artists, but it's truly an infusion of taste. It's okay to like rock and roll and punk and rap all at the same time and then make it something new, which is something yeah, that Yeah, making it into some music, you know, and it's and you know, and if you if you grew up in the cuz I, I mean, you know, you look at the scope of music from I said the 50s on up, you only had a few select, different types of selections of music. And now in this era, music has evolved into so many different things. And um, if, you, if you think about these kids that grew up in the 80s and 90s and these millennial kids, like, you know, we, we're, we're these kids that, that were surrounded by just so many different types of music that were so good, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then on top of that, our parents were listening to classic rock, you know. So like, yeah. That's really what you're seeing is this classic rock, hip-hop fusion kind of thing happening right now with music, I think. Yeah, and I think also the accessibility between YouTube and Spotify and other places where you can stream or, or search and look up stuff so you can get access to any kind of music you want. So it gives people this powerful knowledge that they didn't have 10, 15, 20 years ago when you had to either go buy a CD or go buy a record. You know, the only way to have the music is to spend the money or go to a show. Now you can find it in other ways and get access to it even easier. Yeah. And it just yeah, gives you exactly. this kind of wealth of knowledge to allow you to kind of do whatever you want. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of alternative rock and hip-hop, but I didn't really know the wealth of types of artists that were out there until I hit college just because the Internet allowed me to kind of expand my horizon. And now there's well, very little of anything I won't listen to. You know, I'll give anything a shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's Thanks to the internet, like kids are people in general are just more exposed to so many different types of music, and, and now you're seeing people just put all that stuff together in, in their way, you know. But still, you know what you notice though too is like it it still pays homage to to the the people that that came before, you know. And it's like nothing sure. that's happening like is necessarily new. It's just it's the same stuff. It's just it's just another version of what's already happened, a more updated version of it, you know. Yeah. Um, are, we talked a little bit about your influences earlier, but are there any more modern kind of recent bands that you're really into? Any albums that you've picked up lately, lately that you're really digging that you would recommend? Uh, I, World Blood is one that I, I really recommend for people. Um, they, they're definitely coming out with this. I really, really, it's just a bassist and a drummer, and um, they go at it, man. Like they're playing really hard music, really great rock and roll. I'm looking forward to hearing their their, their second album um, or the next album after it comes out. The first one was really awesome. Um, Gary Clark Jr. is a person I would really listen to, especially if you're trying to, if you are a soul artist or a soul rock artist and you're trying to break out, like, you know, the cat really puts together an, um, an album that, like, is, is amazing. It, it covers all the bases and, and still plays homage to rock and, and, and soul, you know, and with, without being corny or cheesy. Um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar lately, and uh, I know a lot of cats really enjoy Kendrick, but, like, I think he's one of those people. If you if you're a lyricist, if you're someone who really enjoys lyricists, he's the person you should really listen to. Um, so and, and I I can go on and on down the list, man. But I, there's a ton of artists I, I I really listen to, and you know I always the ones I always turn to are the ones that were the masters of their craft, and the people like you know Stevie Stevie, uh, Stevie Wonder and Jimi sure. Hendrix and 
uh, Michael Jackson, Lee Charles, these cats are masters at their craft, and I always try to turn them to, to, to draw inspiration. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still argue that, and and I, I fought, fight tooth and nail about it, but Thriller as an album is probably one of the best pop albums ever written. I mean... Of all, of all time, easily. Of all time, yeah. I mean, and the thing about what he did with Thriller, the song and the music video at the time was unheard of, too, you know? Yeah, I haven't done that before. Yeah, I mean, the reason we have music videos on YouTube now that are 10 minutes long and have this narrative and a story and have these big directors doing music videos is because of that video and that story, right. you know? And it, 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 I just feel like in the light of all the things that he went through towards the latter part of his life, a lot of people forget that he was still one of the best pop artists to ever, ever. One of the best artists, period, man. And like, if you knew, if you look at where he came from, and he, like, he came from blues and soul, and he just turned blues and soul into something completely different. And you know that that's like what you're saying now. Is people we're going back to that, this age of like of real, real life, like blues and soul, man. It's just it's a new way. And they're not gonna call it blues and soul; it'd be called pop or alternative, or whatever. But like, you know, I, I've studied blues pretty, pretty. Uh, um, extensively, and, 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 you, and you look at the, the changes in blues, look at how blues is put together, you know, everything pretty much follows that same structure today. Um, it just follows it in, in a, a different way, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I think that's also really what's fascinating about modern music now is that some of the stuff that follows that pattern still finds its own way and its own sound and can still almost defy definition. Um, but, it's, yeah. but it's awesome to still see that resurgence of stuff that's familiar as well because that stuff was great for a reason. And to see it reemerging kind of in the mainstream again more and more and seeing more artists tap into that, you know, it's like in my lifetime, if you had ever told me that there would be a musical on Broadway about, about founding fathers with rap, hip-hop, and R&B in it, like, I, I would have never believed you. You know, Hamilton nope. was not a thing that I could have ever imagined growing up. But after seeing right. that show, it's like, this is a thing. This There's an audience for this, and it's incredible. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it's just because we grew up with that kind of music. You know, like Lin-Manuel Miranda must have grew up listening to all of that stuff, but also grew up loving history and, and being a nerd and it, being into all of that kind of stuff, too. It's like fusing these kind of things that at one point – you might not have now can exist in this world. And it's because of the access we have to inspiration and, and everything around us. And I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree. Yeah. It's definitely it's the, the, the scope of music right now is amazing. I've been uh, definitely collaborating and hanging out with more artists lately. And, and you know, we kind of all tend to agree that like, yeah, it's like things, things are happening right now. Like there's definitely something in the air with music right now. And we're about to see, I think there's something really big happening in the next couple of years. Yeah, sure. And and I think also technology has a lot to do with that, too. I mean, like, considering th just what we're doing now, you know, I'm chatting with you over the phone, recording the conversation. I can find, you know, tune it up, make it sound clear, remove any static, and then release it as a podcast in an interview. It's not saying that we could have even done 10 years ago. Right, exactly. Like, that, that in itself is, is, is just a blessing here. Yeah, and, and I enjoy, I mean... My favorite thing about interviewing artists and doing this podcast is just getting to know people's process, but also kind of just understanding artists, performers, because artists and performers and creators now are not the same as the ones that came before. They're an evolution and a change. You know, to be an artist yeah. and a creator now, you have to know and do so much more and multitask so much better 
and just be sharper. And it's it's amazing what people can accomplish now. Exactly. Um, the the next thing I wanted to chat a little bit about was um, when it comes to we were talking earlier about the new album and how you're looking forward to doing something personal and emotional. Do you do you feel there's anything either from your past or someone else's or a story that you would tell that would be too emotional or too serious or too you know too um, I'm trying to think of the word I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of but you know just too raw to write or do you feel that there's no boundaries for writing music and you should you personally or anyone should kind of write whatever they want do you think there's a boundary to how personal and emotional you can get on a record? There's definitely a boundary, but the boundary has nothing to do with what other people's expectations. It has to do with what you can handle and, and you know, and, like, what, what really is going to be, you know, uh, either hurtful or helpful to you as, a, as an artist, I think. And for me personally, I don't, I don't really have anything that I feel like I, I don't want to share or couldn't share. Um, you know, one of my favorite albums was uh, the Marshall Mathers LP. Mm-hmm. Up. Yeah, sure. And it was, it, and it was, was a lot of people's favorite albums, and still to this time, like, Anybody who grew up in that time period will say like that was probably one of the greatest albums of our of our generation, you know. For sure, yeah. Um, it was because it was so raw, it was so in your face, and it had so many different elements of uh, 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 of things that people could connect to in, in in an album. And that's because you know Eminem, like he, what he wrote about was really raw. I mean, he spoke really raw. He spoke a true story, and there were people everywhere that that listened to that, and, they, and either you related to it or you empathized with it. But he he told the real story and. You wouldn't have gotten that had he not decided to be as well as he was about his, his, his life story, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's undeniable that part of his popularity was absolutely because of how completely open and honest he was about the good and the bad. You know, the terrible right. things he said and the good things that he said. You know, he wasn't a perfect person and he wasn't trying to. He was just putting right. it out there. And I think that was a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, which is a kind of more common now. I feel like because of the access to, to people through social media and other places, there's kind of this need to kind of keep up appearances. But I also feel like social media is not completely the enemy. I think it's helpful at least for spreading the word and sharing your music. I mean, like I know you have stuff on SoundCloud and, you know, you have stuff on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon. Having these digital releases must be, as an artist today, something that's kind of just – uh, revolutionary because it allows you to get your music out there so much easier and faster. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, I guess the way I see it, it's like I see it like this, like you know, we. I guess um, the, I would say social media is, is is a really big help, and it's it's because of one thing really. It's that in, in order to create anything in in a lifetime, um, you have to understand. It has to be understood, I guess, that like. Human beings are the, the, the purpose. They are the, the, the necessary creative process, or the, the most necessary creative process in anything if you want to be successful with other human beings, you know? Sure. But social media has opened up and allowed you to reach other human beings, you know, um, on, in, a, in a way that nothing else ever has, you know? So um, when I, you know, I, I definitely social media, it's like, it's like a double-edged sword. It's like part of it's like enough already, you know? But the other part <laughs> is like I can reach these many people uh, with with my voice, uh, simply by by the, the you know typing a few words and the click of a mouse, and that that you can't do. You, there's no era, time era, in which you know we're currently aware of right now, in which you could do that. Sure, yeah, the access that you it's you're you're absolutely right because it can go both ways. The 
the bad stuff you say spreads like wildfire, but also the good you can do also can spread like wildfire. And so, yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's like it's like a double-edged sword, but, like, people are the purpose. And I think that's a big lesson I learned uh, recently in, in, in my creative process is that ultimately people are the ones that we need, you know, that, that we need to, to, to succeed in anything. Like, right now you're wearing clothes and using a phone and a computer and, and all these things that were an ideal created by the hands of another human being. Without those things, you couldn't have that experience, you know. Yeah, so I totally. think it's important to understand how important people are in, in any anybody's life, you know. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, one of my last questions for you tonight um, is I'm, I always like to get a perspective from the artist of what you your advice would be to aspiring musicians or artists, people who are just picking up a guitar or just sort of learning how to write music and starting to figure that out. What would you give as advice to them based on your own personal experiences and what you went through while developing your musical talent? Yeah, dream big and enjoy the journey. That's the biggest thing I can say. I mean, it's just music is actually a spiritual thing, man. And, and um, you know, some people I get that and some people don't. Um, but in, in my experience, like, I've learned that music is, is a very spiritual thing and, and the process of being successful with music has really been about learning uh, about who I am as an individual. And, and not only that, just loving that person and being okay with that person. Because ultimately, like, in order for me to create a sound or to, to to have my own sound, I have to know exactly who I am before that happens, you know? Like, yeah, who am sure. I and how does, that, how does that resonate in my music? And once I can pinpoint who I am, I, I can start to pinpoint what that sound is, you know? And but I, I only, I've only come to that conclusion personally because, like, I, I have honestly went into this place in my mind and in my heart to figure out, you know, figure those things out. It's like that's that's it. And and enjoy the, the journey. Like, like, there's no – you're going to set a goal, but there's, you know, the goal isn't the destination because once you get to the goal, there's going to be something else you want to do, you know. So enjoy it. Just remember that it's a journey and, and, and then choose to be happy, you know. For um, sure. I say, choose, I say choose to be happy because, like, you know, it's, it, that's what happiness really is, the choice. It's not a destination, you know. And, and, and so, yeah. That's great. I think that might be some of the best advice I've ever heard. I mean, and I agree completely, too. You know, if you're going to get bogged down in the details or not, or just have one small goal and then stop there, what's the point? If you're not going to keep getting better and learning more and doing more, why even go, you know? It's about what you want and going for that. And so The nature, uh, the nature of existence is, is to learn and, and to grow and to create. That, that is like, you want to learn the, the purpose of, like, you know, everybody asks, what's the purpose? Your purpose in life is to create. That's all of our purposes is to create. And and I know that because whether we are conscious of it or not, we are constantly creative. And the question that we should ask ourselves is how what kind of creator do I want to be? How do I want to create? You know, what how do I want to impact the world? What kind of creation do I want to make? Do I want to make a big creation or a small creation? Do I want to be someone who goes and travels and tours the world and, and, and gets to experience life in that way, or do I want to you know, have a nine to five job and, and just be a person that, that works a job and has a family at home? Like how do I want to be? What kind of creator do I want to be? How do I want to create and impact the world? It's brilliantly said. I have nothing that I can possibly follow that up with. So uh-huh. I'll just thank you for your time, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Um, appreciate I think I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait for that new album later this year. Um, thank you. I, I think that there's not enough artists in the world anymore who are doing exactly what you're doing, which is clearly pursuing a passion based on what they love and it comes through in your music absolutely hands down this feels like a some a passion project that's absolutely something that comes from the heart and so definitely keep that up i think that what the work you do is fantastic i much appreciate that
And um, this this will be out in a few weeks. Um, the podcast is on a delayed uh, biweekly release, but I'll be sure to email it to Mackenzie. She can get it to you, and feel free to share it around once it goes live. But I really thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to seeing what you do in the rest of 2016 and beyond. You're very welcome, man. It's good talking to you. All right. Take care, man. All right, brother. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.